Welcome to The Nonprofit Voice, a podcast series brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. In each episode, we're going to sit down with leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people responsible for paving the way for our sector, along with key technology strategy partners who are transforming our industry. Here at the Nonprofit Voice, we'll have refreshing conversations in which we will all learn more about the convergence of nonprofit and technology. Be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website to find more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice. And you can download all of the Nonprofit Voice episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We will have all the links down below. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Voice. I'm New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And today's episode is supported by Philadelphia Insurance Companies. Learn more at phly.com about their 30 years of providing customized insurance solutions that meet the unique needs of nonprofit and social service organizations. And as always, I'm so happy that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. And waiting on the line with me today is Kevin Duker. He's the Executive Vice President of Johnson, Kendall Johnson. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. Awesome. Happy to hear it. So before we get started, please just take a moment and tell us a little bit more about yourself and about Johnson Kendall Johnson. Of course. So I am a uh, Philadelphia suburb native. Um, I went to, went to high school at St. Joe's Prep for anybody that's uh, in this area and knows the school, St. Joe's University. And I accidentally got started in the insurance brokerage business in June of 2004, thanks to some folks that I met through my network at St. Joseph's University. Um, It's been an incredible journey since I started at JKJ in 2004. The company is completely different uh, today than it was then. And um, even going back to when the company was founded in 1959, um, it's a completely different company. Um, without going into great detail about all of the different uh, historical facts of JKJ, one of the things that stands out the most is uh, our uh, sister or for, former predecessor company, the Johnson Companies, is the creator and the sponsor of the first 401k plan in the United States. And uh, to this day, JKJ and our employees at JKJ retain the first 401k plan that was created in the U.S. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know you were a St. Joe's graduate. I um, I grew up in Delaware and oh, I moved right. to Philly in 2017, I think the end of 2017. And I lived on City Line, so I was right next to uh, St. Joe's. And the campus is absolutely beautiful. It, it is. There's a lot of people uh, in the insurance industry, not just in the Philadelphia region, uh, that are graduates of St. Joe's, but uh, obviously all across the uh, the area. But it's an, it's an incredible school that's done a lot over the last, uh, even the last decade, it's, it's, it's transformed from what it used to be. Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a very reputable school in Philly and, you know, that's, that's really interesting to know. All right, great. So, I mean, as Kevin is the expert on the topic, I've asked him to join me today to talk about insurance agent relationships with nonprofits. We're going to talk about the role of insurance We're talking about the role of insurance agents, how they can better support nonprofits, how to better build relationships with them, and much more. So let's get into my first question. 
Uh, Kevin, so, you know, let's just start with the basics here. What is an, I can't say this word today for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) What is an insurance agent's primary role with nonprofits? Um, I think it's, I think the role has evolved since I started in the industry in 2004. Um, But in its simplest form, it's to be an, an advocate for and a champion for that nonprofit that we represent. Um, that ad- advocacy and uh, you know being a champion for those companies takes a lot of different. Um, there's a lot of different forms that it can take. There's a lot of different people that um, that participate in that effort. But you know, at, at its core, it's being an advocate, an ardent advocate for the nonprofit that we represent. Great. And can you talk a little more about how these agents can support nonprofit customers and show value? Yeah, I think you know, early, when I got started in this business, one of the I asked a lot of people a lot of questions in many different industries just about how they became successful and what they um, you know what what variables that they would attribute to their success and. Um, Time and time again, we, I, the one, one of the answers that resonated was just being, being available and being a normal human being rather than trying to be everything to everybody. Um, and so I, I think in terms of being able to show value and supporting customers, I think the same could be said for almost any industry where if you treat others the way that you want to be treated and you just, and, and you're there, you're present, you answer, you answer the phone calls, you show up to support in person, uh, whether it's meetings or events, and you commit yourself to getting answers to the, to the hurdles and the problems that these companies have that while it seems very, very elementary, I think that's where most people end up failing. Either they, they choose not to uh, take, put the extra effort in or, or quite frankly, they don't have the resources and don't know where to turn for it. So I think, um, you know, when you talk about supporting those customers and showing value, I think that's what it comes down to. I've been fortunate enough, I'll I'll say this, within JKJ to be blessed with uh, a ton of resources that have been made available to me. And if those resources are not in-house and not readily available, dozens of people have offered to to help get to those resources that exist within within a network and that network is it's not like it's our region it's not it's not just the country i mean it's literally internationally so um i i i, I certainly i think I, I know i know for a fact i take that for granted um but being able to have access to a network with resources is invaluable oh that's great And I know you talked about how, you know, it seemed very elementary, but I think that's kind of the the heart and the foundation of just working with other people and other organizations, just knowing how to give them a more personal experience that they're going to remember and they're going to value. Yes, I I, I couldn't agree more. One of the things in terms of just, and I'll, I'll touch on this maybe a little bit later, but in terms of that personal experience, I've learned just as much if not way more from my clients than I had, um, mm-hmm. than I had just my colleagues and in, in the insurance industry. Um, and I think getting immersed into, uh, again, a nonprofits company, understanding what makes them tick, looking at their funding 
their funding sources, looking at understanding what makes up the composition of their board of directors, mm-hmm. just under understanding the business of the nonprofit is, in my opinion, it's as, just as important as understanding the insurance products and, and, and the programs that would fit that company's needs. Yeah, I think that's invaluable because, I mean, for-profit companies and nonprofits alike, every organization, every company is different. They're going to have different experiences and different needs. And just expanding that, um, I guess, that knowledge base of yours, I think, yeah, it's super important and it helps you grow in the long run. Very much so. I, I agree. Great. So, I mean, we, we know how important insurance is for nonprofits, but I think sometimes nonprofits it's new territory for them. And then it's, I think they're still trying to understand it. So when they are looking for an insurance agent, what quality should a nonprofit look for? So there are a lot of, there are, there are variations of different models, the, um, uh, I'll call it assessment models that I think all companies, but specifically nonprofits have, have undertaken when they're trying to figure out who the best partner would be. Um, you know, the traditional model that uh, we've, we've, um, I think fortunately for the, for buyers, I think they've migrated away from trying to engage multiple insurance agents and brokers in, in a, uh, I'll call it a bidding process. And most sophisticated nonprofits have moved towards identifying who their insurance agent or broker is going to be prior to starting any type of representation process. Um, So in terms of qualities, I think what I've seen in that process is that there is a tremendous amount of importance placed on the individual and the uh, the individuals that make up the team that would be working with that nonprofit. what I mean by that is you might have a very large company, uh, an agency itself, that can, can put a, a, a flag in the ground that say they represent lots of different nonprofits across the country or across a region. But um, I think the product is only as good as the individual that, you're, that, that the nonprofit is going to work with. So when you look at what qualities should that nonprofit be looking for, I think it's the number one, the immersion in the industry. Does the person or does the individual understand the business? Um, I think a very close second uh, to that immersion is what, what's the composition of the team that's going to be working with a nonprofit? Is it going to be one individual at the agency that's wearing a lot of different hats and they're spread too thin? Or do they have the disciplines within the agency to tackle claims, to tackle loss prevention, um, to tackle the account management and negotiation side with, with insurance companies? Um, so that, that's number two. And then number three is, is really like, can you picture, can somebody picture themselves working closely and, and developing a relationship? I'll go so far as to say even like a, a friendship with with the with the broker or the agent that they're um, th- that they're engaging, um, there's going to be a lot of interaction, and I, I think this this is probably this could be said for any industry. Nobody wants to work with somebody that they don't enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. And, and if you and if the if the nonprofit can at the people within the nonprofit 
enjoy being around the person that they're working with, it makes that more collaborative effort rather than a vendor relationship where, where there's, where there's no, where there's no true business partnership. Mm -hmm. And that's such a great point. I always talk about, and this is like all types of vendors when nonprofits are looking or just anybody's looking for a vendor, you want to look for someone who has your best interest in mind and who actually you feel like you can work with them and it's not just a transactional kind of relationship. And that's one that they, you actually believe in them and you believe that they're going to try to help your organization grow um, for the long term. It's true. There's such an emphasis on in the insurance brokerage and agency business to grow and, mm -hmm. you know, agencies and brokerages, and there's really two, there's two ways to grow. It's through, attracting and retaining new clients and mm -hmm. ac acquisitions of other agencies and brokers. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think our industry falls into the trap a lot of trying to be everything to a lot of different disciplines and a lot of different industries rather than being really, really good at, at, at one specific discipline. So that's what, you know, I, the, it took a little while to understand that in my personal career, but that I think is, um, I wish I, I wish I was able to, to do that. Not, not, not understand that, but I wish I was able to maybe, you know, to, to do that a little bit earlier in my career. Yeah. It's, been, it's been rewarding. Yeah. And, and like everything, it's a learning experience and, you know, you develop those skills and that knowledge over time. Um, that's the beauty of it, you know, very much so. All right. So you talked about the qualities of what to look for in agents. So are there any red flags nonprofits should be looking at when they are talking to different um, companies and different agents? Um, yeah, I, I, I get in, in terms of red flags, like if I was, so I, I'll put it this way. I, I serve on the board. Um, I'm the board chair for a very large nonprofit human service agency. So if I look at it from the flip side of us hiring an insurance agency or brokerage, um, one of the things that I look for is to understand what is the, what's the culture of the company that we're working with? Meaning is this, is this company more concerned about um, growth through you know, trying to attract tons of new clients, volume um, or acquisitions or are they really concerned about the well-being of my business? Because the reality is there's a lot of, there's a lot of sweat equity and effort that needs to be put into creating a successful relationship. So that's, that's one of the variables that I would look for. And depending on what we see, yes, a red flag could go up there. Um, I would also look at the individuals that are, that, that make up that team. Like I'd mentioned earlier, um, you know, there, there are, there are certainly reasons why people would leave a company to go to a different company. Um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a red flag immediately, but I would try to understand, well, what are the variables if somebody has gone from company to company to company, what are the variables that, that, um, that, that would be attributed to? Um, because I, when I'm looking for a partner again, you know, as a, as a, as a board member, I want to know that the people that we're working with are going to be there at least for a long-term stay. And, you know, long-term I'm looking at five plus years. Um, I don't, I don't want to have, I don't want to start a relationship and then have to you know, reinvent the wheel and go through a, um, a learning curve in, 
in 10, 11, 12 months. So those are, those are the two things that come to mind first. Um, and then I, I, honestly, the other thing I would do is I would want to look for other peers and peers in my industry. I would want to understand who do they have and hold a high regard for. Um, I'd even go so far, and I don't think this is done frequently, but I would go so far as to want to understand what do insurance companies think about my, um, about the broker or the agent that you're going to work with. It's a little bit harder to get a candid response to that, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think it's a worthwhile if somebody's really, if, if, if a nonprofit is really vested in making the best decision, um, I think that's a phenomenal that's uh, phenomenal feedback to be able to get from the insurance industry side, because those are the people that are working with the brokers and the agents and see their true colors daily. Yeah. Oh, that's really good advice. And, you know, word of mouth is a really um, dependable source of testimonial. You know what I mean? Rep- reputation's everything. It'll take, <laughs> years, it'll take years to build up, but it could yeah, be. Of course, of yeah, of course, of course. But when you hear good things constantly from other nonprofits or other people, you know, that's a good sign that you're, you're doing the right thing. You're doing it well. <laughs> yes, I would, I would agree. All right, great. So we have talked about how, you know, agents can build relationships with nonprofits. But on the flip side, you know, do you have any advice for how nonprofits can build better relationships with their insurance agents? Um, the one thing that I have seen that's worked well, and this is not just for me, but others that I've seen that have done this, um, where the relationships between the, the agent broker and the nonprofit extend to more than just one or two people. It would extend to multiple people on the management team at the nonprofit. And it would even extend to the, the, uh, the officers and the directors on the board, um, where it, it, it's a much more, and this isn't an answer for everybody, but where it, where it seems that there's a deep relationship sometimes is when that board gets involved and is engaged and is asking questions. And it doesn't need to be a very long drawn out process, but even if it's 30 minutes, an hour, a year, that the board is able to engage with what I would consider the insurance agent or broker is an important partner in the, in the, um, perpetuation and success of that nonprofit. And if the board's engaged, it just, it it just adds a little extra, um, uh, extra layer of what I think can attribute to success. Mm -hmm. And the board is, you know, a lot of times in organizations, the board is the decision maker. So I think that's, that's really important to leverage them. Very much so. Um, the, and the other, the other aspect of this too is there's a lot of interaction daily and weekly between uh, the agency and a nonprofit. But when the nonprofit is able to engage with that business partner of theirs on a, on a larger level, right? And I know in today's day and age, everybody's probably a little tired of webinars and, and, mm-hmm. and conference calls and things of that nature. But in reality, if you're able to be with other peer groups and you're able to see how that agency or broker um, brings value to a larger group of people and creates a platform for networking, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, it's, it's a way to create a deeper, more successful relationship. I love that. 
All right, great. So I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit more about just insurance in general. Um, so I have one question here for you. Are there any emerging risks right now that nonprofits face where they should be considering other insurance protection? Um, and if so, what other coverages should they invest in? Well, um, yeah, it's the, it's a tough question because there's there's a lot of products out there. A great, and I'll just I'll, I'll use this example because we're still living it now. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of coming out of this pandemic that we're in right now, just over the last few months, there's been different products that have been created, not necessarily for the nonprofit industry, but um, or other industries that are more specific to event cancellation due to. Uh, I'll call it pandemics just to keep it very general, but something that a lot of nonprofits, I think the, the sophisticated or the ones that have a good infrastructure understand this right now, but um, the evolution of the cyber of the risks that revolve around cyber liability and, and, and the protection of your IT infrastructure, it's only going to be getting more complicated, and I hate to use the word scary, but that, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, these, uh, and I'll refer to these folks as, as you know, the hackers and the, the bad actors that are behind the scenes. They are not, they are not people, young kids sitting in a basement. These are professional mm-hmm. people that understand how to manipulate and um, take advantage of of, uh, of weak security protocols. And so nonprofits, despite the fact that, you know, I think, I think, I think every nonprofit, if there was a hundred in a room, they would all say that their mission is valuable and that they're serving other people. These hackers and the bad actors, they don't discriminate between companies that have a good, you know, a good human mission and others that, that, that might be a little bit different. Um, so that I wouldn't call it emerging because it's been around for a while, but it certainly is an evolving risk. And similar to a lot of other insurance policies, I don't look at insurance as the answer to this this problem. Um, I don't even think it's the solution. It, it's a safety net. Nobody wants to use the insurance policy to to get their business back to where it was. If if you're using the insurance policy, there's a problem that exists. There's a lot of sweat equity and even if you're compensated monetarily for the, for the, for the loss, there's still a lot that uh, there's a lot of sweat equity and a lot of other things that are, I'll call them consequential damages that happen. Um, So that, that's something I I think that's going to, it's going to be accelerated in the next 12 to 24 months where you see that, that cyber industry continuing, continuing to evolve. Yeah. And I mean, that's such a important thing to talk about because I don't, I honestly don't think it gets covered enough in the nonprofit space Yeah, with the, just the rapidly evolving landscape of technology and our like dependence on it. There's there's such a dependence. The dependence has gone to the point where a lot of organizations are crippled if they can't access and use their mm-hmm. IT infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it no longer supplements what organizations do. It's, it's the keystone to it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, having just any kind of security breach, that's your donor's data. And if there's anyone that gets through there and 
takes advantage of it. Like it's very hard for a nonprofit to come. It's very expensive and it's very hard for them to come back from that um, because it, it tampers their reputation. And now they're going to be known as this nonprofit who's got their, their data, like a hacker got through their data. So just having, obviously insurance is not the solution, but it's like you said, a safety net, something to fall back on in case it does happen. Um, but it is going to be an evolving challenge that's, it's been here for a while. And, you know, these hackers, these cyber criminals, as you call them, are going to get more advanced. And like you said, they don't care if you are for profit or a nonprofit money is money to them. So they're yeah. going to try to get it any way they can. It, it, um, it, it, it's very true. I, this, and it, it, we kind of look at it and I would say this, like from a cyber standpoint, I would, I'd like to see, and the industry's already going there, but I would like to see the cyber insurance marketplace continue to evolve where it becomes cyber insurance almost as a service to helping mm -hmm. protect and, and help secure the IT infrastructures of the clients that they work with mm -hmm. rather, rather than just be the, um, be that safety net when something does happen. And a lot of companies have, have kind of taken that proactive approach to say, you know, we're going to help you get there. We don't want you to have a loss. We're going to, we will charge you a premium to have the insurance, mm -hmm. but, we're, but we're going to offer you a, a, a variety of services or a suite of services that will allow you to protect your data. Oh, I love that. And I think especially with the pandemic and how heavily just everyone relied on technology and being online, um, I think that's gonna, that trend is continue, going to continue to grow. Um, to a point where these services are needed now. <laughs> uh, it, it's yes, it's only it's going to be it'll be exacerbated over the next the next twelve to twenty four months. Yeah. Um, all right, great. So we talked about a lot today, Kevin, and you know, this is a question I ask everyone who comes to the show, and it can be hard to answer because you know, um, people want to say more than just one thing. But if there's one piece of advice you could give to nonprofits out of everything that we spoke about today, you, you know, what would it be? I, I would, I would, I guess I would focus on creating partnerships, not just with your broker, but looking at your broker as a, a nexus and a center of influence. Um, this, for me, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of people that have become great centers of influence for me. And I, 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 I attempt to, and, and try to spend a lot of my time being that center of influence or nexus for other people. And, you know, because I do a lot of work in the nonprofit world, I'm trying to constantly connect my clients or even just companies that I don't work with. And, you know, because, but I know them because I'm in the industry, trying to connect them with other good people because I've seen other um, positive consequences happen from, from these good connections. So that's, that, that would be my advice. Don't, don't, if you're choosing an, an insurance agency or a brokerage, don't do it with blinders on. Do it because you're looking for a partner that can expand your network and be a center of influence in addition to being an expert in the insurance industry. Excellent advice. All right, so that about wraps it up for today's episode. First, I wanna thank our audience for listening in on today's podcast. And Kevin, it's been so fun having you on and talking about 
insurance agent relationships. I think this is a very important topic and, you know, you really feel added a lot of color commentary today or personally for me and I'm sure for the nonprofits listening. So thank you again for joining us on the nonprofit voice. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. I love what I do and uh, happy to be able to share a couple of my thoughts on my experiences. Yeah, totally. I can, I can hear it in your voice, that passion. And it's always, it's always a good thing to talk to someone who, you know, loves what they do. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was, uh, I really enjoyed it. Great. So on behalf of Nonprofit Pro and Philadelphia Insurance Companies, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of the Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.